Be part of the conversation. Join the Hope Forum in Athens, October 25th and 26th. The only event connecting stakeholders from the West and North of Europe with the Balkans and the Mediterranean. For more information, visit our website at ehealthforum.org. Join us in Athens this October. You're listening to Tech Talk Central. So, this is Vicky Kolovo for Tech Talk Central, and I'm here with Enrique Martins from SPMS. He is president of the board. We've interviewed him over Skype last year, but um, he did a great presentation yesterday at the eHealth Network. I was personally impressed, and I said, you've got to say it on the microphone. So, first of all, thank you for the interview. Thank you. Okay, so, this is about Portugal, first of all, and um, I see... I come from Greece, so I know about the crisis, so does Portugal, but uh, I love what you're doing over there, and I love the pressure, and a few of the things that I heard was like, um, um, apart what your organization, you're going to tell exactly what SPMS does, um, but you were talking about reports being given, statistic reports in a month to the minister, and uh, signing up 80% of the doctors on your platform in six months or something. But you're going to say all of that. First of all, start with what your organization does and talk about the schematic, how the public with the private sector works exactly in Portugal. So um, SPMS is an e-health agency for the Ministry of Health. And in Portugal, healthcare is mostly provided by the NHS, public service. Um, so all the primary care is public and it's organized uh, as the NHS. When you go to levels like clinics and hospitals, as well as dental care, uh, we have about 60% of the provision being public and publicly organized. And then we have about 40% which is organized and provided by the private sector and the social sector. Um, so some of our IT solutions will be specifically for the public sector, whereas others like e-prescription or uh, electronic death certificate are general to the entire country. And, and more and more, uh, we develop solutions that start normally at the NHS level, but they have to very quickly be generalized to the, the entire uh, health sector, uh, as it were. Okay, so SPMS suggests, if I understand correctly, to the government what IT solutions there are, what should be included. Have I got that right? So, so we are a somehow a unique organization in the sense that we have um, a role in uh, suggesting and advising and standards and so on, as well as certification uh, uh, or compliance, technical compliance more than certification. Um, but we also have a development unit. So we are also a developing uh, company, a public company. So we provide solutions that have been homegrown and home designed. Um, and, and this has been a unique feature in, 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 in Europe, I wouldn't say, but I mean, in general, it's not very common. There's historical reasons for this. For many years in the 90s and so on, uh, we have not just bought solutions that are ready in the market, um, but also uh, develop, especially when, for example, the market is not, you know, market rarely provides you with electronic death certificate solution because there's not that much of a market 
so you have to develop it by yourself. But if it goes down to other types of solutions, we will recommend or we will uh, help hospitals, public hospitals, for example, to purchase a good solution. So it's a mixed uh, strategy. Okay, so you're into procurement also. So, okay, tell us what the death certificate is. I thought it was a smart idea. Please explain it. Well, we have, uh, we have this project and others. The electronic death certificate is means that uh, as opposed to a piece of paper that you would write and sign saying that the citizen has been uh, dead, you do it online on a platform. And this platform is linked to the police, to the registries, to justice department, to healthcare. So basically, uh, you, you are creating an electronic platform for everything that has to do with uh, paperwork in, in different ministries. It links with six different ministries in the EGOV uh, e strategy. Um, and this is one example, I mean, of many of our uh, national-wide projects. Yeah. Because people understand money, how much... You, you mentioned a number yesterday about the fraud was happening exactly because the death certificate wasn't no, wasn't known that the person had died across um, all services. How much money did, does this service actually save the government? Okay, so so we have had uh, we have had different, unfortunately, different uh, fraud uh, cases, especially in in the 11, 2010, 2012. And, um, and the ministry set up at the time a task force for fraud. And we found out that we had significant fraud cases in a total of about 130 million euros uh, that had been, um, you know, uh, stolen, and let's call it this way, to the, to the NHS. And the main reason was the, 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 that the system at the time, the different softwares of prescription, did not verify in real time if the patient was really that person and if he was alive or dead. So you could literally use a local database and create a prescription. And that was the, the, the problem. So when we uh, uh, cleaned up the patient database and then when we updated it daily, uh, every day with the death certification online, that was from January 14. And, and additionally, we link the software soft prescription to this ecosystem of uh, authentication and verification of the citizens' rights regarding prescription. Uh, this means that now the softwares cannot produce a valid prescription unless they go for the patient index uh, system to check. Okay, you also mentioned you have a lot of data. You're collecting, obviously, a lot of data. And um, you mentioned something about APIs that you're opening up, this data, obviously. for. But tell us why you're doing that. Um, what do you hope to achieve? Is this a, a welcoming invitation for startups to build uh, software on top of um, the data you have, maybe? Yeah. So, so basically, the, the initiative, the Open Data Initiative, uh, was started in uh, January this year. We have now about more than 300 different indicators from the different parts of the NHS and the ministry. So it ranges from the waiting time for getting an appointment in cardiology to things like the average wait, uh, waiting time to pay uh, uh, suppliers of hospitals uh, or the number of uh, vaccines that have been administered. So all of this data 
is presented on an open data portal on our new NHS portal. And one of the features of that uh, sub portal, let's call it this way, is the API. So you can literally plug uh, an application that you develop uh, as a startup or as a research group to these uh, APIs. And, uh, and we are hoping uh, that uh, there's two byproducts that come out of this. One is that um, researchers, journalists, and so on uh, more easily scrutinize and, uh, the NHS. And this will put pressure not only on the, the units in, in how they can do things and, and, and be more effective and efficient, but also in our own services regarding the quality of data. So one of the things that has improved tremendously from exposing the data was the quality of the data per se. So the first months we were criticized and our minister was very, very supportive. And he came out in public to say, you know, it's normal that in the first few months the data is not perfect. But it's because we're putting it out and everyone can look at it that we will get it ready. And, and literally that's what's happening. And that's why we now have this cycle of one month uh, and in some cases less than a month time to, to really put the data there. Um, and, uh, and basically the other byproduct that we hope to, to achieve is that companies create solutions like benchmarking solutions or business intelligence solutions on top of the data. So basically, you could see uh, happening that, you know, a company says, you know, I have this system that allows you to understand how your hospitals are going. And, and another company says, I also have one. And they're using the same data sets. But maybe because their algorithms are better, uh, they will compete not for accessing data, which is currently what you see is companies compete for accessing data. They have someone that they know, they get a contract, they get access to the data, and therefore they get a competitive advantage in the market. Not because they're good companies analyzing data, but because they're good companies lobbying for accessing data, which is slightly different. And what you really want to achieve is competition at the level of analyzing data, because that's what you really need out of them. So where does mobile play in all this? I think you, do, do you have any mobile solutions for for people, for the patients, the citizens. Yeah, so about last year in May, uh, from the eHealth Network meeting in um, Riga, um, we had, uh, you know, we already were considering developing mobile solutions. Um, but we were, I would say, a little bit frozen in, in our strategy. Um, so that was a liberation moment, the, the, the publication of the EU Green Paper on Mobile Health. Um, and, and we decided to set up a strategy uh, out of workshops with uh, clinicians, patients, associations, um, and developers, and as well as an online survey that we've done through the summer. So this came out to be what we call Moving Ahead, which is our mobile health strategy. And Moving Ahead means that we will focus on providing some solutions ourselves, while at the same time developing an API sort of model for other services that could literally be integrated into private apps. Uh, so two examples of this was the app that we launched for uh, checking in real time the waiting times for emergency rooms. Uh, this was very, very uh, useful app in the winter 
because the winter you have more people coming to the emergency room and uh, citizens in Portugal can literally see in online and on their hands in real time how much time they will wait if they go to hospital A or hospital B. So this created a lot of visibility and also some sense of freedom that people could influence the NHS. The second app we're launching is called the Health Wallet. Uh, and that will provide citizens with access to their healthcare data on their phone. I hope you're not actually creating two different apps because we, we're tired of putting different apps. You've got to consolidate everything. So do you have any numbers for us? I know the population of Portugal is around 10 million. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, right. So how many people have downloaded your first application with the emergency times? To be honest, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know, actually. The reason being that we also put it on a website because the amount of people using uh, uh, smartphones in Portugal, unfortunately, is not growing as fast as people want because they don't have money but uh, to buy them. But um, So we had to provide the service via website and uh, app. And, and this, to some extent, reduced the interest on downloading the app because you could see it anyway. Um, but So I won't invent a number. I, I agree with you that one of the big challenges is adoption uh, and, and not just providing the service but making sure people use it. Uh, we have had a big, for the numbers of access, I think it's more than 2 million different accesses to the subsite of the waiting times. So it means that about 20% of the Portuguese population went to check the waiting time for the emergency room at least once, which is pretty good, I think. It's really good because this is a you've just done this project, right? So, what opportunities do you think the crisis and all the memorandums that uh, our countries sign with the European yeah. Union? What you as a as a professional? What do you think the crisis has brought? Um, how much has it progressed uh, Portugal on the healthcare side? So, I think that the fact that we had a, a, um, a reduction on budget. Uh, overall budget for the public sector as well as the uh, NHS, obviously. Um, it doesn't matter if that reduction is because you think you need to make a reduction or because you have a crisis or because you have a memorandum of understanding. I think it, it boils down to, to a decision of being more efficient. So if you decide to be more efficient because you want to free up resources, Maybe you're, you're not in a crisis, but you still want to be more efficient in your NHS. This is to say that all countries could theoretically make advantage of what we had. But what really we had was a tremendous pressure from the government as well as from the Troika. Um, in, and that created an environment of understanding on uh, the fact that changes needed to happen. Okay, that, that's the first component. The second component is then what type of changes do you want to foster? Because we had a sort of a baseline provision of e-health services and we had knowledge and expertise in our uh, competence center, which is SPMES, we were able and in, in, in lucky enough to be in a position to say, yes, we can use IT to solve some of the financial problems. Uh, you know, examples like fraud detection, examples like optimization of uh, um, transportation of patients. Um, all of those uh, projects, in a way, are increasing visibility about mistakes and quality, which leads to quality, and quality leads to savings, contrary to what most people think. Um, 
also uh, traceability and, and responsibility on doctors and nurses and so on, on, on what they're doing. But also, we had every three months to report on progress. And having to report externally on what national projects you're doing and what you're achieving with them is a powerful incentive. And, and that allows us to, you know, to be proud of showing you know, every three months, yes, we now have the prescription this way, we have uh, you know, made these other changes, and you, know, and you get a tap on your back and say, wow, good, good job, you know, please continue. And I think that's what's lacking in many countries. They have no one uh, to sort of report to, that they could, to some extent, not just report, but get an incentive word. I think that's where the e-health network comes in, the fact that countries can share their experiences and get a sort of, you know, this is the timeline, you know, please, uh, please get up to speed with, you know, patient summary, e-prescription and other digital services. I think it is going to be very good. I'll second that because I was there yesterday and I think they consider Portugal a champion. I think some, uh, Dr. Auer actually mentioned you as a champion. And that is important because Portugal is also a small country and you've got other countries like Germany with much bigger numbers, much bigger budgets, and they're listening to you. And it, that's good. You're doing things. They listen and respect when they see a country is progressing. Um, so where do you see... I'm not going to touch the centralization thing and whether it's too much power. No, I'm not going to do that. I, I understand the nagging. It happens. In my opinion, it's, if somebody's doing things, yeah. let them do it. Okay, <laughs> you're agreeing. So what's next? I, I want you to tell me what should we expect from Portugal and SPMS and the whole thing. So next, uh, what we are uh, most actively working is on portability of data. So basically, we are, we are putting all our energy into making sure that the healthcare data that we already have in circulation in the health data platform of the country is being uh, created in a format, standardized format, using uh, HL7 standards and other standards uh, to be downloadable for an app. So this, this has to do with putting the citizen as a transporter of his own healthcare information, uh, which we believe is going to be a sort of a second solution to cross-border healthcare. So we are working on the first solution, which is to share data across ministries, but we also want to enable our citizens to travel with their data on their pocket, so that if they go to countries that are not part of the EU, they still have some sort of data with them. So that's one thing that's next. And then the other thing that is next is to expand uh, the, the, the national project to the private sector more. Uh, and this has a challenge, which is codification and semantics. So we have a semantic center and, and we need to foster clinicians and, 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 and nurses um, to use more standard semantic uh, documentation. Uh, and I think that's the biggest challenge uh, as well, to keep these guys involved. So, we're going to wrap this up. Um, thank you. That was Enrique Martins from SPMS Portugal. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. So, this was Vicky Colovo for Tech Talk Centre from eHealth Week. Uh, we'll be back. Bye. You're listening to Tech Talk Central.
Be part of the conversation. Join the Hope Forum in Athens, October 25th and 26th. The only event connecting stakeholders from the West and North of Europe with the Balkans and the Mediterranean. For more information, visit our website at ehealthforum.org. Join us in Athens this October.